Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, welcome back to part three of the uh, Stompcast. Um, and with the three dads walking, we are stomping and walking away. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. And none, none of us touch would have fallen yet, which is a really <laughs> good, I shouldn't know if I should say Dear that. Me. I did actually m- mention my um, catastrophic collapse and fall uh, with Billy Billingham on the, on the, uh, on the hills when, <laughs> in the sideways rain. So I just really want to avoid that happening again. And there's yeah, quite some serious uh, yeah. drop to our left, yeah. isn't there? And, we won't and, pick you up. No, no well, yeah. I did, to be fair, you'd have to travel a long way to find me at the bottom. <laughs> this uh at the bottom of this hill and you were just sharing a fact actually uh andy about your your son is that right he, yeah he, he yeah. Uh, is it did his geology degree well he did he did a geology degree at yeah. uh, liverpool university and in his last year as part of his uh, field work yeah he came and surveyed this landslip that we was walking towards on the on the east side of mum tor and uh yes it was i was just talking to him last night actually about coming here and he was saying about the the front end of it still moving at about a couple of centimetres per year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad it's nice and slow, because <laughs> we'll be worrying otherwise. Yeah, I wouldn't well, fancy being in that farm down there, though. You know, eventually it's going to catch up with it, isn't it? Yes, well, hopefully not anytime soon. <laughs> um, let's hope not. Um, I, I obviously have been aware of your work, and I've been in awe, and I've watched from a distance, and I've you know, been really just oh, so inspired by your work. And, you know, my brother uh, passed away during the pandemic, mm. so, you know, since then... I mean, actually, before then, I was already working um, about mental health and, and well-being, particularly with the government. I spoke to Theresa May when she was prime minister and talked to her about schools and the work that needs to be done. But obviously, when my brother passed, it was like, right, I need to do something. And, you know, since being ambassador, my key mission really has been to try and change the direction of mental illness in this country, to focus on early intervention and prevention, which is a key aspect. And um, suicide prevention is, is hugely important and also we need to work on how you create environments within schools and also society that's conducive with good mental well-being. I'm doing a master's at the moment, public mental health at King's and so much of that's focused around um, this topic and, and the two big things that I'm focused on at the moment is, is getting early support hubs funded across the country which will be there, walk-in support, wraparound support for young people's mental health under 25 year olds. I'm also um, working with government and with various MPs to try and get legislation so that in the workplace there's a parity between mental and physical health so like you have as many mental health first aiders as you do physical health which makes sense because under 35 then one cause after suicide one of the main reasons line managers and and people in the workplace um you know have staff that are struggling or asking for help is because they're struggling with their mental health yep exactly so i'd love to i mean basically the reason i've said all that is that i feel that we're, we're working so much in this kind of same space we have very common goals and you're very much focused on suicide prevention. So I'd love for you to just explain a little bit, for people who have not heard of that phrase before, what do we mean? Because sometimes people think of suicide prevention as perhaps Samaritans and people who are there at the end of the phone who, who can support some other point where they're feeling suicidal. But of course, suicide prevention isn't just about that, is it? It's about, a long, it's about 
decades even before. Yep. So yeah, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about what you've been doing in that space and yeah, any ways that people can help that are listening that are, I'm sure, desperate support your cause. Well, for us, uh, suicide pre prevention just wasn't a thing that crossed our minds before we lost our girls. You know, why would it? You know, suicide wasn't something that was going to happen to our families. It, it just it wasn't until it did. Um, and it was only after that you're, just, you, you're thrown into this world where when you begin to look around, you realise how prevalent it is. And the thing that struck us on the first walk, through all these conversations with these suicide bereaved parents, was all of them were saying that, well, if this is the biggest killer, why didn't we do something about it beforehand? Why didn't we equip our young people? Why didn't we tell them that the biggest risk in their lives are themselves? Which then got us uh, thinking, when we crossed the finish line in Shouldham on the first walk, it was quite clear that, obviously that walk was finished, but we had a, a sense of, very much a sense of unfinished business. Um, we didn't really know what we, what we were going to do or where we were going to take us, but we had accidentally created a bit of a, a collective voice from all these suicide bereaved parents we'd met. And so we thought we would use that to ask the question of the government. Um, because we'd, it'd been, it'd, the walk had prompted us to go and look at this, the school curriculum, thinking that if um, we can actually begin to equip, equip our young people from their early years, it's going to be a damn sight better having uh, young folk growing up with some kind of knowledge and understanding that suicide or suicidal thoughts are not unusual, that it's something that does happen, but critically that there is hope, there are things you can do. But when we looked at the curriculum, we found a lot of great stuff there about mental, positive mental health and well-being and uh, positive impacts of exercise and that kind of thing. But crucially, suicide prevention was conspicuous by its absence. Yeah. And that kind of made us realise that despite all the good work that was now being done in schools, for those young people who were starting to have suicidal thoughts, it was effectively too late because they were suddenly in a place that hadn't been talked about, hadn't been discussed. So if anything, by doing all the, the good stuff, but not reaching suicide prevention, you're actually making it more critical <laughs> because they were suddenly outside the area of knowledge that they'd covered. So uh, that prompted us um, to engage with the Department for Education, Department for Health, yeah. to, keep, to keep asking that question. So that's where we were at the start of 2022 um, and it was that at the heart of it it was how do we equip our young people how do we prepare them uh, to deal with the biggest challenge in their young lives which is themselves what was the initial conversations that you had guys um, with you know the government and how did that lead on to some of the other <laughs> work that you've been having you, you giggle and smile so well, the, <laughs> how's it going the, the first the first we had two responses from our initial letter the first was from department for education which is a very a, a classic politician's response or civil servants response which explained everything that the government had done so far mm -hmm. and how much money they were spending and uh, talked about getting mental health professionals into schools. But it absolutely didn't address our central question, which was if suicide's the biggest killer of young people, why aren't we doing it as a compulsory subject? Yeah. It just didn't address it. And uh, so that kind of wound us up 
to, to keep going somehow. We've got to do more. But then the other response was from the Department uh, of Health, uh, from Gillian Keegan, who was a minister there at the time, and she was had suicide prevention on her uh, portfolio. And I met with her several times yeah, at that time. And yeah. so we got to see her in the January, February 2022, and she was really positive, um, really interested in what we were doing. Um, and we felt quite uh, pretty good actually when we left her because she said she was going to take up a conversation with her colleagues in the Department for Education. So that felt as though we'd taken a step forward. But unfortunately, you'll recall the start of 2022 then um, ended up in a situation where the government effectively stopped governing because of the political turmoil that was going on. And so everything that we'd thought we'd started ground to a halt. That's, that's tough psychologically as well. I mean, at that time, um, in parallel, really, that's when I'd presented after a year's worth of work, the support hubs to the Prime Minister Boris at the time, Johnson. And uh, of course, you know, well, I actually got to the point, I feel very confident where we were basically had them in the bag, as one would say. Yeah. And then bam, he's gone. All the work is gone effectively. And you go back to square one, don't you, in a way, in a way. Well, Tim, maybe do you want to take yeah, over? So the, I'll give you the mic. We, we are still passing the mics around here, so Tim, I'm going to... Sorry, we were feeling as though the, it, it was all going in the right direction, but uh, we met Andy Burnham, or the boys met Andy Burnham, and uh, he said how important it was to have a petition. Because if he had a petition on the government website, for him speaking as an ex-Secretary of State, that gave him the evidence to do stuff with. So we put a simple petition together with Andy's help, that, you know, a call for suicide prevention to be compulsory yeah. on the RSHE. And that sat there, uh, and we, we then thought as well about the second walk. We wanted to take it to the, the four seats of government, so that's yeah. why we thought we'd walk between the four seats in, you know, in Northern Ireland, then over to Scotland in Edinburgh, then down to Cardiff, and then ac- across to, to Westminster just as we were setting off on this second walk it's about 600 miles it's even it was about twice the- yeah it's about it was just over four weeks and it was just over 600 miles the uh tragically the queen passed away yes. okay, yeah. and it was the night we were due to set off and we didn't know what to do we were in a right dilemma we were at, uh, in uh, mike's house in manchester bbc and itv there didn't yeah. we yeah. both crews there just knowing not not nobody knew what was going to happen because where the focus of the nation quite rightly was yes. going to be on a majesty and the funeral and we'd had a letter during our first walk from prince william and he'd encouraged us and yeah. said how good it was what we were doing it felt like well if we delay the walk it'll be another year before we can get all the logistics and the, we had the royal family's backing before so we're just going to go ahead but we'll do it with, with our flags would be furled up as a mark yeah. of respect and until the funeral so we we kind of set off so the petition that we got ready to go with the petitions committee sat there and didn't get launched and it was only after the funeral that uh, the, we unfurled our flags and the petition was launched on the government's website. And we needed to get 10,000 to get a, elicit a response out of government, but 100,000 yeah. for them to consider it yeah. for debate. And we, we walked again. The second walk met lo- loads, of, loads more bereaved people, exactly the same as the first one, but all of them supporting us. And uh, as we kind of crossed the finish line that evening, we uh, were on BBC Breakfast again live as we, we crossed in the pouring rain. And that evening it just clocked over 100,000. It ended up on 160,000. 
signatures. And at the same time, Andy's MP, Dr Neil Hudson, had an early day motion mm-hmm. saying exactly the same thing, which got cross-government support. So we were starting... Cross-party. Cross-party, mm-hmm. sorry, cross-party support. Uh, so we were starting to think, yeah, we've got a... It's all going kind of our way. Uh, we had, we then had the debate in Westminster. We were invited to that, and it's really interesting to see the debates process and how seriously the MPs on the parliamentary committees take it and do their research. Led by Nick Fletcher, a yeah. Conservative Don Valley MP, and he was very nervous about the subject to start with, but after researching it, he was quite happy to lead on it and to hear these cross-party MPs all supporting us with very personal stories uh, uh, suicide had impacted them and their constituents and saying we need to do more was massively powerful and all the MPs at the end of it came up to us and said just keep going what you're doing is the right thing to be doing for us as a nation and then shortly after that uh, Andy's MP again asked a question in PMQs that we were just expecting a response from the from the Prime Minister yeah. but what we weren't expecting was for him uh, to invite us to, to, to number 10 and that's exactly what he did we ended up sitting in the garden. This is Rishi. Rishi, yeah. Uh, and, and probably most importantly, when we went to have a cup of coffee with him in the back garden of number 10, he was, uh, first thing he said to us, I can't imagine, as the dad of two young girls, I just can't imagine. So he addressed us not only as the Prime Minister, but as a dad. And that was massively powerful. And he was really receptive to how he could help and what more they could do. And we told him about what we thought about putting suicide prevention as a school, in the school curriculum, all the evidence we'd got and all the experts we'd met. And he disappeared off after about half an hour. And then Gillian Keegan just popped her head in. She wanted, did want us to catch us. And she was now Secretary of State for Education. Massive supporter of ours, which is lovely. Greeted us like long lost friends. And we, were, you know, we had a good chat with her. And then we went to go and see her formally a couple of weeks later, which was already in our diaries. And she then instigated a uh, series of round tables to work out, should we put suicide prevention in the school curriculum and then how to. Mm. And many of the experts we'd met on the route from charities, uh, from uh, academics mm. to parents to teachers joined us on those round tables and all were talking about why it should be on the curriculum, why we should be talking about giving the government the evidence. Uh, and that's kind of where we're up to now the government are just responding they're trying to work out uh, how to formally put it on the school curriculum they want to do a whole school approach where it's not just the pupils it's the teachers and it's the parents so it's pointless that teachers or outside agencies coming into school and teaching suicide prevention if the parents aren't allowed to it the reason we want it in schools from an early age, and we're not talking about mentioning suicide necessarily to a four-year-old, but we can encourage a four-year-old to have help-seeking behaviour. So if a four-year-old is not feeling in a good place, they can go and seek help. But the reason we want it in the in the youngsters is because if they're educated as 10, 11, 12-year-olds now, in 10 years' time, they'll be teachers. They'll be the doctors. They'll be, you know, they'll be the workers of society. And we've seen how powerful the young people are in changing the, you know, changing LGBTQ, in changing the environment, all this sort of stuff. Give the young people a voice and they will expect it. So if we give them a voice with suicide prevention now, in 10 years' time, they will demand it of their employers. They'll demand a suicide-safe workspace. So it'll be a societal change. So we're not talking about... We're talking about prevention across society, yeah. not waiting for the fires to start as we do at the moment and rely on chari- fantastic charities to try and save people you know, when they're in crisis. 
let's get upstream of that. Brilliant. Well, you, you fantastically summarised that there, and I really appreciate um, explaining you know, what, what your mission is. And I think that point around the suicide prevention, isn't it, is that actually so much of it is not necessarily even talking about suicide directly at young age. It's like recognising thoughts and emotions, you know, being able to vocalise how you feel, because that's, mm-hmm. that's the fundamentals of, of suicide prevention, isn't it? And I think... You know, people, because of the stigma, because the fear around, like, oh my God, we're going to have that conversation there. And actually what you said about MPs, I mean, I've, you know, loads of MPs are, I've met are actually really, really care about this. But I think it's fair to say a lot of people are very scared to talk yeah. about it. They feel uncomfortable. It feels deep. It feels taboo almost to talk about it. But the only way we're going to change it and stop it being taboo is by talking about it. That's the opposite and making, making that difference. So I guess um, I, I, just as we kind of come to a close of the, the third part, I guess my question would be, how, how would you like people to get involved? I mean, first of all, you know, I'd love to you know, offer my support, my help. Um, I'll share my number with you guys. Anything I can do, I will. I'll keep you know, banging the drum and I'm hopefully meeting the Prime Minister in a few weeks. I'll certainly be reiterating the work that you're doing. But how can people listening who are bound to want to help, how, how can can they help you in what you're doing? Well, the, 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 they can look up um, our website for a start at uh, uh, threedadswalking.uk, uh, but also look, look at charities like Papyrus and mm. things. Mm. Make yourself aware. Mm. You know, if people are making themselves aware of their own personal mm. level, it's about looking after your family, your loved ones, people close to you, isn't it? Yeah. If you're aware of the language that people use, etc., you know, it, it, it's got to be a good thing. It, it, it's got to help. Absolutely. I, I, I'd say uh, as well, we encourage people when we got the uh, when we got the, the petition going to write to their MPs. I would continue having spoken to the MPs. They say keep going at us, keep going at us, because yeah. we get so far and we stop. That's no good. So I would encourage people to write to their MPs and ask for more suicide yeah. prevention across the island. Don't forget the power of, of, of actually doing that and speaking to your MPs. And you have to keep going. I mean, I've seen we've all seen across the political system. I'm sorry, but it's really slow. It's really a lot of partners <laughs> yeah. don't keep talk going. to each other. Keep That's keep the truth. Going. That's the truth. And you yes. have to. You know, I've yes. been with the early support hubs now. It's been three years basically of banging this drum and like kicking against the door and feeling something sometimes you're hitting against the door but ultimately you keep banging you're going to get through you know yes. if we're all doing this we're all pushing hard it will there will be uh, a change so the, there's a, the other option as well that's going to come up looks like it's going to be in october mm-hmm. um the department for education is, is just going through the consultation yes. and report writing process on the new curriculum um which looks very positive it does look very positive um but it's got, it will go out to consultation in looks like it's going to be october so watch out for that, um, and um, we'll, we'll respond to it, and we'll certainly ask some challenging questions, but anybody can respond. So please watch out for that consultation and respond when you can. And also, um, I'm put on, uh, on the project, one of the projects I'm working on, like I'm, I'm trying to get this parity in, in the workplace responsibility within uh, physical health and mental health and having mental health first aiders. So we're just in the process of trying to get the legislation created. There is actually isn't any legislation that really covers for this at the moment. So, you know, please ask your MPs as well, why are they doing it? And say, look, people spend a lot of time in their workplace. That includes schools and, and it, we heard the pressure that doctors and nurses are under. Please, you know, write in and we, this should be mental health first aid training. It's obvious to me should be compulsory in workplaces well, sorry there is basic first aid in every workplace yeah, isn't there absolutely. so of course and, and 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 ask anyone in a workplace what do you see more of what do they come up with you with cut legs or do they come up with you because they're struggling 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We usually do a health fact of the week where I read a random fact, but I might use the opportunity actually to, because a lot of people might be listening thinking, gosh, if I'm worried about someone, um, how do I um, ask them for how, how do I ask them if they need help? And I might just give you a quick um, tip um, about how to approach that. It's a three-step approach, and I think it can really help in lots of situations. So the first one is trust your gut. Um, our gut instinct's so powerful, isn't it? When you feel something, trust your gut. We were talking about as doctors saying that it's that sixth sense. There's something about the way that you feel in a situation that tells you a lot so it could be just like that person's not got the same body language that they usually have they're just not they're present but not present and so on your gut instinct something's wrong you're probably right so trust that step two is asked twice time to change actually they came up with this concept you know how you do today yeah i'm fine absolutely fine i'm the worst day ever and you're always fine <laughs> yeah. that's Brits, isn't it so ask twice say do you know what Andy? I know you say you're fine today but you know how are you really you don't see yourself how are you that tells that person i'm really asking i'm not just making conversation and the third um, step is to signpost not fix I think we all feel that feeling we need to fix yeah. people uh, and actually you know a psychiatrist said to me a couple of months ago and said you know even as a psychiatrist I have to tell myself you know, with my own children I'm a mother not a psychiatrist I'm not <laughs> home, at home you're the mother and you're to be their friend and you take them elsewhere to get support and things you're, not to fix them very, very hard, of course, a parent as a family member, but signposts not fixed. And that's where amazing organizations that we've mentioned today come into play. So if you're worried about someone in your life, honestly, trust your gut. Go with your gut instinct. Ask that question. Ask twice. Signposts are not fixed. Anything that you guys would leave from the conversations you've had to add to that point? About we had a really out? powerful email, which yeah. is exactly about yeah. what you're just talking about. It was a dad. He was walking down the road and he interviewed. he'd seen us on telly. Yeah. And he wouldn't have had the guts, but he intervened in a young girl taking a life, stopped her taking a life, got her, got her back safely to her parents. That was about six months ago. He wrote to us about three or four weeks ago, emailed us and said, just by seeing you on tele, I intervened. The parents and the young girl has got back in touch with wow. him. He saved a life that day because he'd seen us on tele. She has now turned her life around. It was a dark moment for her she's got the support that she needs and she's now thriving so just like you said there intervene wow. intervene intervene wow i mean that's a, what a way i think to to end the podcast i just want to ask just what just a quick thought from each of you you know anyone who's out there that is is struggling maybe not even people who's up but struggling and going through difficult times maybe you've lost someone maybe it's through grief maybe you're going through hard times is there any kind of thoughts that you know lasting thought or thought you have to share with people that are, that are listening well, maybe it's as I well always say is you know the most powerful stories we are hearing from those who have been struggling in crisis themselves have tried to take their own lives, but now living lives they want to live. Doesn't mean every day's rosy, but they want to be alive. They want to be here, 
and yeah. Those two shall pass. Yeah, and I think the, the, the thing that sticks is right at the forefront of my mind is ask for help. Ask for help, because help is out there. Um, you know, we've come across so many individuals and organisations who can offer help. But the, as Tim was saying earlier on, the, the thing that screams out about our last couple of years of experience is how lovely and caring and loving people generally are. Ask for help and you'll get it. People care. And Tim, finally with you. Peer support. Peer support definitely saved us from, you know, very dark places. And that's whatever's going on in your life. If you can connect somehow with somebody that's mm. got going through a similar experience, maybe outside of your family, mm. that can really help. And I know it definitely helped all, all three of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I want to say a huge thank you to all three of you. You didn't mention the book, though. Hang on. What about the oh, book? No. Come on. <laughs> Leave us, let us know but what, what's coming up next. Um, the uh, book? So we've got a book. We, we, we've been asked to write a book, not the other way around, which is incredible. Exciting. So that's going to be launched in April next year. And it's about the first walk. Uh, it's three dads walking 300 miles of hope. Uh, so April next year as well. Is it out? When's it out for pre-order? Is it out? It's now. Go on Amazon. Right, now. brilliant. So, so please go on Amazon. I go, and I'll share on my socials as well. It'll also be in the show notes. Please go and pre-order. It's been an amazing read, and even just what I've heard from from you all, I, I want to delve into it more. I could talk to you for honestly hours and hours. We have actually talked for hours, but I really could talk for even. Good luck, guys, for editing. Happy's <laughs> nodding away. Thank you so much, and uh, everyone. I'll, I'll leave you with this uh, final thought. Uh, this too shall pass. There's always hope for a better today you know if you're in a difficult time you will get through thank you stompers i hope you've enjoyed and yeah and wherever you're wandering around at the moment people listen to this podcast actually flying on planes when they can't go out walking people listen to this driving to work when they can't they listen to it on their commutes or when they're out walking it's pretty amazing so wherever you are enjoy it take care and i'll see you actually on behind the stomp which we'll be recording recording after this we'll be re reacting to this episode some takeaway thoughts and things on behind the stomp see you there goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.